Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an official seal? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects vast and cool and unsympathetic regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes.
broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert. I'm Ryan Gable, your host, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email us at rdgable, rdgable at yahoo.com. You can find The Secret Teachings on pretty much any radio or podcast player that you use. Just search the show name or visit our website and you'll be able to access the full archive there, www.thesecretteachings.info. And while you're on our website, check out my books, the three books that I've written. Digital and physical copies are available for sale on the website. And that is one of the major ways we support this show, along with the monetized advertisement. So you have to listen to some annoying ads, but you do get the show for free if you're not a subscriber. But if you'd like to become a subscriber, please subscribe to our full archive on the website. For those of you here on Ground Zero Radio who might be finding us for the first time as we make our transition, this is the second week on the network. It is a $40 special, and we do things intentionally antiquated. So if you donate through our PayPal page on our website, send us an email And we will set you up an account so you'll get access to the ad-free show, the montage archive, digital copies of my books, which that alone is worth the cost of the subscription. And you'll get early access, uh, access to the show and a private RSS feed. And it lasts for one year for only $40. So check it out today, www.thesecretteachings.info. While you're on the website, we also have a couple of affiliate sponsors. They don't pay us, but if you grab something from them, we make a tiny percentage, whether that's Pro One Water Filters, which is really a win-win-win for everybody, or it's Transistor FM, which hosts our archive. If you're looking to get into podcasting, for example, they're a very cheap, I think it's like $19 a month, a very cheap service. If you go through our website, click on the link and our other affiliate, the Tuttle Twins, T-U-T-T-L-E. It's all on the website. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. And the last thing, but certainly not least, our social media pages, facebook.com forward slash thesecretteachings and T-S-T underscore underscore, the little dashes underscore underscore, T-S-T underscore underscore radio. So you can tweet at us over on Twitter. I mentioned on Friday last week that I had an opportunity to go uh, with a friend of mine here in Tucson, listener of the show named Joe. We went to, uh, to see Jurassic World, the uh, Dominion movie, the third in the second trilogy of Jurassic Park. And the movie was okay. You know, it wasn't the greatest movie. Nothing can really beat the, the original I don't think. I think the original was was hands down the best. Uh, but it, it was okay. There were some things in the movie that it certainly wasn't. It didn't, it didn't feel like the first two in this trilogy, which were kind of uh, iffy, I thought, on the writing, kind of iffy on the casting even. Uh, but then again, you know, I'm also, I'm always going to compare it to the, to the original movies, which it's, you know, it's hard to, it's hard to match that. It's hard to beat that. So, we go see the movie and I'm sitting there and I realized when the movie started, I probably should take some notes on this in case there's something that I want to talk about. So I, um, I ended up pulling out my, my phone from its little Faraday cage and I kind of scribbled down some notes as I was, uh, watching the movie. 
And I, I picked up a few things. I'm, I'm not going to spoil it for you because this is in the synopsis of the movie. And if you watch a trailer preview, one of those websites that uh, deal in films, uh, you'll probably read something very close. Maybe even you'll read more detail there than, than what you'll hear from me tonight. So I'm not going to spoil anything for you, I promise. But if you, if you watch the movie or if you watch any Jurassic Park, you know, the, the, the whole idea is, should man tamper with the natural order? Should we call forth these terrifying, super intelligent, super predators, not all of them predators, but very terrifying monsters from the ancient world? And it might make one think of, at least it made me think of, the Lovecraftian old ones and and welcoming those monsters or some variation of them into our world through tools such as atomic energy, whether that's atomic bombs or it's CERN or it's something like the D-Wave computer, which Jordy Rose famously said could be used to go into another world, extract resources, and then we might have to deal with kind of invoking or summoning these, these monsters from these other worlds. And Jurassic Park is a similar idea. Should man tamper with the fundamental laws of nature? Should man do these things with genetic engineering just because he can? Should man alter things, even if it's for so far as he sees it, so far as he believes, even if it's for the best? It's been about 21 years since the first draft of the Human Genome uh, Project was published back in 2001. And that project cost about $300 million with subsequent whole genomic sequencing studies costing an additional $100 million or so. A few years after the first project was published, in 2005, a bioengineer named Drew Indy proposed that it should be possible theoretically to work with DNA in the exact same way that engineers work with electronic components. In other words, being able to manipulate them in a way that is akin to, uh, to changing the parts in a machine out and being able to move things around very easily, kind of like building a computer or you know, maybe building some kind of you know, little tiny thing, messing around with the components of a watch. That genetics could be just as easy. It could be just as simple to to tinker with them, to tamper with them. The scientists and engineers and even artists after this began to approach DNA as a code that could be digitized, that could be manipulated, that could be redesigned and could be utilized in a similar fashion to digital photography or digital videos. Basically turning what is the, the, the very basis of nature into something that's almost trivial, into something that, you know, we're so used to digital pictures and digital videos today, we don't really think about, you know, things like film, how movies originally were made and how you'd have to put film in a camera to take pictures. We're sort of desensitized to the digital age now. And this is back in the early 21st century. This is how people started to look at DNA, believing that, hey, we could, we could alter this stuff pretty easily. Now, of course, as we said, Jurassic Park and the the original book that was uh, written by Michael Creighton, 
it uh, it proposed that question, and uh, it proposed the question of whether we should we should alter the natural world. It's a question we're still asking today. It's a question that has been debated at university. It's been debated in politics because when we talk about genetic engineering, it often gets discussed the subject of genetically engineered foods like corn or soy, two of the biggest genetically modified crops in the world. Is it a good thing? Could it be dangerous? What does it allow the companies that manufacture these products, what does it allow them to do? Does it allow them to exercise absolute control over nature? Can they use their patents to shut down small farmers or smaller farmers? Could they take complete control of the food supply and we all be subject to the whims of some multinational corporation that literally has a legal right to all of the food on this planet? I mean, these are the questions that we've been discussing since the 90s, before the Human Genome Project. We were discussing these with the Flavor Saver tomato that came out. And now we've got genetically modified salmon. We've got genetically modified corn, soy, sugar beets, genetically modified animals, genetically modified humans even. Trials have been ongoing in places like China. And that's officially behind the scenes. We, we really don't know. Plus, the Chinese were also using vaccines or some version of a quote-unquote vaccine to genetically enhance their soldiers, basically creating uh, super soldiers. In 2020, a scientist named Jennifer Dodna and another scientist, Emmanuel Carpentier, or Charpentier, kind of a funny spelling to the name, won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry. And, and some of you might remember that they won this Nobel Prize in Chemistry for their work on a revolutionary new gene editing technology that allows researchers to very precisely, very surgically, snip out and replace DNA sequences with genes. And they called this CRISPR. They called it CRISPR. More than any other previous advancement in genetic engineering, CRISPR enabled techniques from digital coding and systems engineering to be applied to biology. It also opened the way for scientists to explore what amounts to a complete overhaul of any species on this planet, animals, insects, and of course, humans. And the idea emerged that we could also practically see within our lifetime the bringing back of some animals from extinction, the whole idea of, of Jurassic Park. In fact, one of Elon Musk's business partners claimed just a few weeks ago, back in April, a few months ago, that a real-life Jurassic Park could actually be created. He said, maybe 15 years of breeding and engineering to get super exotic novel species. Max Hodak, who co-founded Neuralink with Elon Musk, tweeted in early April that advanced engineering and breeding science could create genetically modified novel species akin to dinosaurs, just like the Jurassic Park movies. He said, quote, we could probably build Jurassic Park if we wanted to, wouldn't be genetically authentic dinosaurs, but maybe 15 years of breeding plus engineering to get super exotic novel species. And there have been reports of this before. There was a Russian 
billionaire who had proposed that we could utilize, uh, you know, genetics to bring dinosaurs back from the grave and we could actually have a real life Jurassic Park. But this research for something like that is probably the least of our worries. If we're going to be worried about the the example that, you know, Jurassic Park presents to us, the the the, the possibility of you know, the dinosaurs get out of, you know, out of containment and, and, and in Jurassic World, they're all over the world. But the, the whole point is it, it's a metaphor, right? It's the idea of we open Pandora's box and we could very easily see ourselves become extinct as a result of either bringing back things that have become extinct themselves or by tampering with things like the food supply or tampering just in general, the idea of, of the natural God-given order of things, one tweak too far, and that could be lights out for humanity. And yes, it makes good science fiction. Yes, it makes a good movie. It makes a good TV show. It makes a good topic for late night radio. But let's be honest. Let's be realistic. We're probably not going to see dinosaurs roaming around in the streets. But what we might see and we're already seeing, is the usage of genetic engineering and specifically the usage of pathogenic genetic research to quote-unquote cure disease and to furthermore prevent disease. Advances in gene editing have made it easier to genetically alter the behavior of individual cells as well And this is at the heart of something called biomanufacturing technologies that do things like re-engineer simple organisms to produce useful substances ranging from food additives to fuel for, for airplanes. Now, I read an interesting article from The Conversation. There's a couple of other websites that have been publishing uh, topical articles on Jurassic Park or Jurassic World. And here's what an article said from The Conversation. It said, quote, gain-of-function research uses DNA editing techniques to alter how organisms function, including increasing the ability of viruses to cause disease. You probably know what gain-of-function research is because we've talked about it here on The Secret Teachings. Clyde Lewis talks about it on Ground Zero. Gain-of-function research uses DNA editing techniques to alter how organisms function including increasing the ability of viruses to cause disease. I've been told by the mainstream media that doesn't exist unless it's Jurassic World and it's science fiction mixed with reality. Then we can talk about gain-of-function research. Officially, scientists do this type of research to, quote, prepare for potential mutations of existing viruses that increase their ability to cause harm. So in, in, in very simple terms here, what they're saying is they do this research because they want to be able to prepare for potential mutations, but in the process of preparing for these potential mutations, they use DNA editing to alter how the organism naturally functions. Therefore, they're able to make it more pathogenic, more contagious, at least officially, this is what they're supposed to be doing in laboratories. Or they could perhaps, in making it more dangerous, 
It could also make it less dangerous because now we know how it mutates. We can control it. We know how it acts. But the whole idea is let's tamper with it and make it worse so that maybe we can make it better. Doesn't sound like a very logical thing to do, especially when we've been told now for two plus years that this kind of thing doesn't happen. There is no such thing as gain of function research. And if there is gain of function research, don't worry. The people that are conducting this research know what they're doing. They're being safe. It's legal. There's no secret labs. There's no bioweapons facilities. Nobody's breaking international treaties. Nobody's breaking the law. Nobody's trying to release a virus to hurt you or to take away your freedom. All of that is hogwash. But they do perform gain-of-function research on viruses. Now, in the new Jurassic World movie, the, the final one of the second trilogy, they talk about genetically engineered pathogens. In fact, and I'm not going to spoil this for you, but they discuss the idea that certain genetic conditions in the human body could be cured by a type of vaccine that would alter your DNA once you are injected with it. Now, again, for the general public, that might sound like either science fiction or it might sound like, well, it makes for good science fiction because that's some weird, wild conspiracy theory. But that is kind of the whole basis of the new movie, that genetic conditions in the human body can be fixed if there are markers for them. They could be altered by replacing segments of our DNA by injecting us with something that transfers new genetic material to our body. And how they do that in the movie is by using a pathogen. A pathogen, which in the movie is also used to save humanity and to save the food supply. So they're taking a pathogen, which is a bacterium, or a virus, or some other microorganism that is believed, heavy emphasis on believed, believed to cause a disease, genetically altering it with new genetic information, and then injecting it into you, or releasing it into the environment, in order to alter the genetic sequences of an insect, of the food supply, or to change your genetics, your DNA, so that you are less susceptible to a disease or so you have a disease and now once your genetics change, your DNA changes, you no longer have the disease. So genetic conditions cured by a vaccine that alters your DNA and using a pathogen to do the same or using a pathogen to alter crops or to alter insects that can spread it to other insects to stop things like say, the spread of, of, of locusts. Now, this idea is, is by no means revolutionary. And to me, that's really all I got out of the new Jurassic world. And I don't mind Chris Pratt. I, I, obviously, I love Jeff Goldblum's character. And, uh, you know, it's kind of nice you see the original cast in the movie. But that's what I was focused on. I was focused on, oh, look, they're, they're promoting using vaccines with genetically engineered pathogens to cure disease and for the last two plus years we've heard about how there are mrna vaccines that 
here's this new novel technology, and it just happens to be ready for SARS-CoV-2. And if we get this shot, it'll allow our bodies, it'll teach our bodies, it'll help our bodies to produce a response to SARS-CoV-2 so that we're basically altering a pathogen in the body with a vaccine so that we don't get sick. This was the basis, the most important part of the new Jurassic World movie. So call it predictive programming. I don't know if it's predictive so much as it is confirmation programming that what we've seen in the last couple of years in the world, then we look to science fiction, we see it confirmed as a form of confirmation programming that what we think is happening with the genetic engineering and there being some some plot or some attempt to use vaccines and engineered gain-of-function research things to, to spread disease or to spread genetic sequences, etc., for whatever the purpose, whatever the reason, then you watch Jurassic World and you see that's what's done, but it's actually done to save the planet. It's done to save humanity, to save the food supply, etc. So we learn to live with dinosaurs. We learn to live with these desecrations of reality, these abominations of nature, and in the end, despite the danger, the wrongs can be rewritten and we can cure disease with genetically altered pathogens given to us through vaccines and we can share those pathogens in nature to prevent the spread of disease, to prevent the dying of crops and to prevent uh, insects maybe from eating those crops as well. So when you put all of this together, you realize that you know Jurassic Park, although it's supposed to be a warning, Jurassic World Dominion kind of felt like um, a promise. It kind of felt like a guarantee that, yes, genetic engineering is dangerous, but it's the only thing that's going to help us. It's the only thing that's going to save the world. And now we've got major publications. We've got uh, MIT. We've got major studies all saying that CRISPR gene editing, gene editing technology, not only is this the future, it's the present and we need to do it in order to save humanity from the next plague. That's in the news, that's in the major publications, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. It's parthenogenesis tonight. Something else I'm going to talk to you about when we come back from break. The ability to reproduce without a mate. Some lizards can do it. Some snakes can do it. Can humans do it? And is that part of this genetic engineering transhumanist propaganda. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. The Secret Teachings radio show is on Facebook and Twitter. Just search facebook.com forward slash The Secret Teachings to like us and TST underscore underscore radio to tweet with us. This is David Icke from DavidIcke.com, author of The Phantom Self and The Perception Deception. And you are listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings, keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. 
We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm a last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now, the Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy the secret teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio, here on Ground Zero Radio. A Time magazine published in 2019 shows a cover with the text that reads, The Future of Babies. The headline was accompanied also by promises of gene editing, uterus transplants, and babies with not two, but three biological parents. Perhaps the most disturbing part of this story in 2019, came with the scientific description of something called IVG, or vitro gametogenesis. This is the process where scientists take stem cells from a woman and turn them into an egg, allowing her to have far more than the normal 300 to 500 eggs during her lifetime. These eggs would then be mixed with the sperm of choice and then implanted into her uterus. This is a process already widely used called in vitro fertilization. But scientists and arguably eugenicists don't stop there. In a very Aldous Huxley-like manner, the authors of the study write, quote, skin cells can also be turned into sperm. In this way, a single human may soon be able to create its own offspring without a partner. This could eventually lead to a society where relationships, sexual or otherwise, are not functionally necessary to continue the human species. 
In 2016, there was a report from various news sources that a child with three parents was born in Mexico. Similar research has been conducted in China, and from China to Mexico to the United States, not to mention what Jeffrey Epstein was doing out in New Mexico, the research into this type of genetic reproduction, the artificial reproduction through these genetic means, is likely far more advanced than anything we're going to read in Time magazine, anything we're going to read in uh, The Independent or any of these other news articles, left-leaning, right-leaning, very moderate. The politics of it doesn't matter. This is the future. Whether you like it or not, this is where you are being taken. So IVG, vitro gametogenesis, where you take stem cells and turn them into a woman's eggs, so that gives her more eggs. But then you can also turn them into sperm. So she could impregnate herself and never have need for a mate, which is what the article proposes that, quote, in this way, a single human may soon be able to create its own offspring without a partner. So I'm guessing that you could take the stem cells from a man and you could turn them into eggs and use your sperm to fertilize those eggs. And although our society says the contrary, since the man can't actually get pregnant, you could use an artificial womb, which are already being used for growing animals. So this is not futuristic. This is not coming, coming, coming in 2030, 2040, 2100. This is here now. And it's been here for a long time. In vitro fertilization is by no means a new technology. It's helped countless couples or countless individuals have children when they otherwise weren't able to through natural means. But it seems to be we're shifting into a very Aldous Huxleyan state in which this becomes the norm rather than an exception to the normal rule of procreation. And we're so enamored, we're so in awe of that type of technology that one could imagine, I certainly do, that although sex might still be a recreational thing we want to do, it's a guarantee, essentially, and it might be easier. Maybe your partner you know has some kind of condition. You want to have children without that condition. You could either have the baby literally engineered so you could get pregnant and then have the genetics of the baby tested and then you could have the, the genetics altered. So basically a designer baby, as they call it, or you could have the, the artificial implantation, the in vitro fertilization which could also come along with genetic engineering. And if you read the literature on this, they're saying that they're going to be able to, and it'll mostly be people that have the money, of course, so very wealthy people, that will be able to have children, and they get to choose. Even if they both have dark brown hair, they'll get to choose if their children are blonde, or if they have black hair, or maybe even if they might want their kid to be a redhead for some reason, they could uh, alter the, 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 the genes, and the child could have red hair. It's not really an expression of you at that point, but it can be done. 
some of the literature literature I've read, it's basically like a menu. You can just pick and choose. Like I want my kid to be good in in sports. I want my kid to specifically be good at violin. I want my kid to specifically be good at you know soccer or football or so it's like a menu you can choose from. It's a, a buffet. And you know, what would stop someone who has the money and the means from having a perfect child, right? Their their version of perfection from the hair to the eyes to the the cheekbones or whether it's a, a boy or a girl or maybe they want to have some weird alien child that has no belly button. Who knows? I I mean I'm I'm pretty sure they can do essentially whatever they want to do. And, you know, it might be more complicated than that, and I'm sure it is, but this is not new stuff. This is stuff that's been going on since the 90s officially with genetically modified plants. And now we're starting to see this emerge into the mainstream where the solution to disease is having genetically modified DNA. And that is precisely what is being proposed in studies I've got one here from Materials Chemistry, and I've got another one here, Biosafety and Health, Volume 4, published March 2022. And it talks about COVID-19, and because COVID-19 is, you know, a a devastating pandemic, they say, quote-unquote devastating, we can utilize CRISPR gene editing technology to address critical needs for tackling infectious diseases and to detect viral nucleic acids and inhibit viral replication. So we can use CRISPR to to basically treat and diagnose infectious diseases with the help of what they call biosafety materials, which is a very, very vague term. It basically means anything that could provide biosafety. So that could be a vaccine, gene editing. I even read in one of these studies it could mean PPE, personal protective equipment. So that could just mean masks, for that matter, any kind of clothing, something in a laboratory. So biosafety material, from what I've read, is a clever way, or a not-so-clever way, of saying genetically modified material in a vaccine injected into your body, which is precisely the theme of the new Jurassic World Dominion movie. And the movie's like two and a half hours long, and uh, the scenes that deal with that are very, very small, very, very short. So I'm not giving away the movie. This is part of the synopsis, what the movie's about, plus obviously Jurassic Park, the original, and, and of course the original book. It, it's based on the idea, the question, should we tamper with the natural order? Should we tamper with, with genetics? And if we do do those things uh, just because we can, is that really smart? Should we bring things back from the brink of extinction because we can? And even the question should be posed, should we cure disease just because we can? Now, I know that might be a controversial thing to say, but let's, let's for a moment say, let's believe that we could cure a disease. Pick a disease, any disease. A disease where it isn't really a disease, where 99.9% of the people survive and everybody else who dies, dies of other conditions that aren't related to the disease. Or it could be something like cancer, which even then, most people don't die of cancer. They die of the treatments of cancer long before the cancer's cells or tumor does anything to you know, prevent their, their body from functioning. 
but pick something, pick something, and, and, and say we could cure it. What are the consequences of opening that Pandora's box? We might cure one disease, but with genetic engineering, we might also create a condition in both the body and in the, the community and in the environment that could lead to new diseases. Maybe we could call them super diseases. And the more genetic engineering we do, the more we tamper with the, the genome without fully understanding the consequences of switching one thing on, switching another thing off, and how naturally things switch on and off depending on how we live our lives, the environments we're in, pollutants, chemicals, etc. What if we were switching things on that needed to be off in order to prevent us from becoming sick from, you know, let's say disease one, disease A. And because we, we prevent ourselves from getting disease A, now we open ourselves up to disease C, D, and E, which are way worse than disease A. Wouldn't you have rather had disease A? I mean, do we really think it's practical that we can cure every single disease with genetic engineering? I mean, this is basically like the advent of vaccinations again, where the guy that invented vaccines never published a scientific paper proving that vaccines actually worked. I know that might be hard to believe, but if you go back and you read about the original vaccine or what, what we called at the time, uh, they called it uh, inoculation, you go back and read about that, and uh, uh, Jenner, the guy who created them, uh, Edward Jenner was... Uh, well, first of all, he wasn't even the first to invent the idea of a vaccine. That goes back to 10th century China. Um, but he developed his idea from watching dairy maids. Um, and he, he believed that they were, since they were interacting with, uh, with the cows, that they, they didn't get cowpox or, you know, smallpox. Uh, or at least um, they had fewer symptoms if they did get sick. Now, Edward Jenner, who developed the vaccine as, as kind of as we know it today, but his vaccine was a lot different. He never passed a medical examination. He never qualified as a physician. And his qualification as a, a fellow of the Royal Society wasn't even the result of any work in the medical field. He, he had studied the cuckoo bird. And he submitted one paper on these vaccines to the Royal Society, and it was rejected due to lack of proof lack of evidence. So that's the original inoculation, the original vaccine. And what they would do is they would take pus from an open pox mark, an open wound, and they would cut the skin open on another person and they would rub that pus into the skin, into the open wound. And here's the tricky thing. It's all about language. The pus, that poisonous, noxious substance, like you don't want other people's blood or their pus on your body or in your body. We, we can agree on that at least uh, for, for, for health reasons, for safety reasons. So when you're taking that pus and you're putting it on somebody, you're transmitting that pus, right? And then that blood pus gets into, you know, what's in that pus gets into their body, into the bloodstream, and then they could get sick by transferring that pus. But the definition of the pus is important because the original definition of the pus was a slimy, noxious liquid, something that was, was liquidy or kind of thick and viscous. In other words, the slimy liquid poison 
was the literal definition of what a virus was. So when they were transferring that slimy liquid poison, they were actually transferring a virus from person to person. That was the original definition of these words. Now, over a few hundred years, that science has changed. And with COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2, all the safety measures, all the testing, all the precautions were dropped. And we had to rush forward to get vaccines for COVID-19, right? It doesn't matter what you think of COVID-19. It doesn't matter you vote blue or you vote red. Those were the original definitions of a vaccine, inoculation, and a slimy liquid poison, a virus. Also, it was known as snake poison, snake venom, literally. It has nothing to do with that stupid snake water and the venom stuff. That was a big psyop as far as I'm concerned. But that's the original definition of those words. Then we move forward into the 21st century, skipping over the 20th century, where we had new hygienic improvements, new, uh, new knowledge of uh, sanitation, uh, you know, indoor plumbing, things that, you know, even refrigeration, things that made life easier, more convenient, and it also allowed us to, uh, to live a healthier life. And a lot, of, a lot of people attribute you know, those new health advances to vaccines when, in fact, it's, it's pretty well documented. Most of those advances were because of refrigeration, because of indoor plumbing, because of hygiene, washing your hands, sanitation, and things of that nature. So you come into the 21st century, you come into COVID-19, and now we have mRNA vaccines. And despite the fact that we've been told that mRNA vaccines don't alter your genetics, it's, it's RNA, it's different. Well, what is RNA? RNA is the messenger. That's why they have the M there. M, messenger ribonucleic acid. So it carries the messages to the body. So when you inject that RNA to the body to produce those those antibodies for the SARS-CoV-2 virus, you're genetically altering the body, genetically engineering the body. And once again, despite the fact that we're told this kind of research in public or secret does not happen, gain-of-function research does indeed happen, and it uses DNA editing techniques to alter how organisms function, increasing their ability, like a virus, to cause disease, justified by using that information to predict and prepare for potential mutations of existing viruses that increase their ability to cause harm. Now, our point tonight is not to argue about COVID-19, but you could, based on the definition of -of gain-of-function research, you could argue that if there was something being worked on in a lab and that thing got out of the laboratory and spread intentionally or unintentionally, Certainly what was being worked on in a lab to determine how virulent this thing could actually become, how deadly it could become in preparation for, you know, biowarfare or preparation for just a new disease that comes out of nowhere. It could actually cause more harm through the genetic engineering. And if that were the case, who's going to admit that? But the problem is COVID-19 didn't actually kill anybody directly. You can say a million people died. I know people that died of COVID. Okay, that's fine. But did they actually die of COVID or did they they die of something else? Because according to the CDC, 95% of the people that died out of a million, 95% of them died of four additional comorbidities. People that were elderly that were already on death's door. All COVID could have made it worse. I mean, a cold 
kills an elderly person because their body is is run down. It's worn out. They're, they're on the brink of death anyway. I guess, yeah, I guess it could kill them easier, but they're already on the brink of death. If that's the case, then we should be counting cold deaths and declaring colds uh, an emergency, uh, a pandemic. But we don't. So if you put that all into perspective and you think about what that mRNA shot really is, it is utilizing genetic material or a coding for that genetic material through a vaccine into the body that alters your DNA and helps you to adapt to pathogens. That is until they mutate and then it becomes worthless. But the idea is still there. And that's the idea in Jurassic World. A genetic condition, a medical condition that is cured by a shot that alters your DNA. A pathogen is also used that is genetically modified and entered into having the genes edited an insect that is then released into the environment to save humanity from these insects destroying the crops that were created by a biotech company that wanted to control the world's food supply. So they created this genetically modified, partially genetically modified, but this very vicious and aggressive locust that was consuming the food supply. And it was only eating the non-GMO crops it wasn't eating the genetically modified crops that this company, Biosyn, owned. Certainly, it sounds like Epicite, DuPont, Dow, Syngenta, and Monsanto Bayer. So not only is it both a, a literal warning of we could create a monster, we could in, invoke evoke a monster from the past. Even Elon Musk's business partner said that we could have a have a, a a real Jurassic Park up and running in 10, 15 years. That's uh, Max Hoddick said that a few months ago. And others have said that before. Billionaire, billion, uh, Russian billionaire said that a handful of years ago too. We could have something like this up and running. And they did actually find, uh, according to a study published in 2020, the Chinese Academy of Science, uh, Sciences uh, paleontologist Lydia Baliul and her colleagues found a fossil of a hypocrosaurus. It was a hypocrosaurus car- cartilage, I think it was. I know it was a. Fo- I think it was partially cartilage, and then they found um, something that had the chemical signature consistent with DNA. And uh, uh, a hypocrosaurus isn't, you know, a giant T Rex, but it's it's like a duck bill kind of a, a dinosaur, and uh, it's supposed to be a pretty big dinosaur. So uh, they supposedly found the DNA of that dinosaur. There's a lot of other you know, reports and studies that DNA, DNA has been found of other dinosaurs. So, I mean, even in Jurassic Park, what they had some of the sequence, but then they edited it with other things to fill in the gaps, right? And Jurassic World, I would say, isn't so much about dinosaurs. Like there's the warning there that, you know, the genetic engineering, the Pandora's box opens up, it spreads all over the world. Humans could be extinct because of the genetic engineering, um, you know, uh, Gold, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, he gives a you know, speech in the movie about the dangers of genetic engineering and what are the consequences. And, you know, we're just pushing the button and seeing what happens, just like with atomic weapons. And we didn't destroy ourselves with those. But what's going to happen with genetic engineering? 
So you have all that, but at the basis of this movie, and I'm not trying to spoil it for you or even give you a, a movie review here, but if you watch the movie, like, yeah, it's dinosaurs, but there's something that, that we tend to forget about Jurassic Park. It, Jurassic Park is a warning about the tampering of nature, about the tampering of the genetic sequence, about tampering with DNA, about tampering with God's creation. And yes, it's about dinosaurs, but it's also about genetically modified humans and curing diseases, especially otherwise incurable diseases with genetic engineering, but specifically with genetically engineered pathogens that can be injected into the body via syringe, i.e. a vaccine, and or to use those genetically engineered pathogens made in a lab so that we can spread them through insects and or through the food supply through crops. And at the base of this idea in the new Jurassic World movie, the Dominion movie, is that there is the potentiality for utilizing, as I read you earlier, this is already discussed in mainline science back in 2019 before this new Jurassic World movie came out, creating a human or creating the conditions and the technology to allow a human that could reproduce on their own without a partner, otherwise known as parthenogenesis. So you, would, you don't need a mate. You could literally reproduce with your own DNA. You do not need a mate. Whether it's vitro gametogenesis, it's kind of hard to say, vitro gametogenesis, IVG, where you take a stem cell from a woman, turn it into her egg, and then mix it with sperm. Or you take a skin cell, for example, you take some kind of stem cell or you know a skin cell and you turn it into sperm. And as the article I read you earlier suggested, in this way, quote, a single human may soon be able to create its own offspring without a partner. The dinosaurs were able to, to do this as well. Don't want to spoil it for you, but it's not just about dinosaurs. This, this is about humans. Parthenogenesis kind of like vitro gametogenesis and some animals can do this the monitor lizard can do this the boa constrictor can do this the komodo dragon can do this but this would be a new human race a new human race that has no need for partners no need for partners to get people to think that that's even a good idea you'd have to create the conditions artificially, if otherwise they did not manifest, the conditions that would condition people to feel as if families are bad or families are unnecessary, relationships are hard, this is too difficult, I, I just want to have some form of, um, well, like in vitro fertilization or orthenogenesis, just turn like vitro gametogenesis. I'm not just saying these words. These are Look these things up. I, I want my skin cells turned into sperm and eggs and, and then implanted. I don't need a partner. I don't want a man. I don't even a woman. I don't want a woman. I just want to reproduce myself. 
Like, you know, like SpongeBob, he just reproduces, 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 reproduces. And we're at that point, ladies and gentlemen. And the COVID-19 pandemic is a major, major milestone in the advancement toward a world totally dominated by those that are advancing these ideologies under the guise of protecting and advancing and progressing mankind. And equally, those who truly do believe that and those who also want to use them for control, eliminating the orgasm, eliminating spirituality, connection, relationship, intimacy. There's a lot more to worry about here than just standard genetic engineering. We're talking about the fate of the human species. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this in the next hour. rdgable at yahoo.com, thesecretteachings.info. Please subscribe to our full archive on the website. It's $40 for one year. Our special here on The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. You can also find my books on the website. Again, www.thesecretteachings.info. We'll be back. From Ground Zero to The Secret Teachings. Keep your dial tuned to Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. If you want to get rid of those annoying ads and get extra perks like access to the montage archive, digital copies of Ryan's books, and early access to the show, then subscribe to the full show archive at thesecretteachings.info. Visit the website and click the button that says subscribe. You can do so monthly, yearly, or through a one-time donation. Your support always keeps the secret teachings on the air. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in paranormal talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. People ask me all the time what they can do to take control of their lives when facing a daily onslaught of dis- and misinformation. I say take control of your body and mind with water filtration. Visit www.thesecretteachings.info and click on our affiliate sponsor link with Pro One Water Filters at the top of the page to search for a water filter for the home, camping trip, and even the shower. They filter countless contaminants and make a wonderful gift for friends, family, and yourself. That's Pro One Water Filters at thesecretteachings.info. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. 
broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Human beings have no more right to safety or liberty than any other creature on this planet. We not only lack dominion over nature, we're subordinate to it. And now, here we are, with the opportunity to rewrite life at our fingertips. And just like nuclear power, nobody knew what to expect with genetic engineering, but they pressed the button for the best, just like you are doing now. You control the future of our survival on planet Earth. According to you, the solution is genetic power. But that same power could devastate the food supply, create new diseases, alter the climate even further. Unforeseen consequences occur. Ryan Gable, and this is The Secret Teachings Radio. Our website, thesecretteachings.info. Email us at rdgable at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for tuning in whenever and wherever you are listening around the world. Tonight, parthenogenesis and genetic engineering. It's not just genetic engineering plants. It's not just genetic engineering of animals or even of humans. It's creating a new species, a new race. In the new Jurassic World movie, they talk about how genetic conditions in the body could be cured through genetic engineering, and that genetic engineering could be carried out through genetically altered pathogens, which are bacterium and viruses. They could be genetically engineered and then injected via a syringe, a needle, a vaccine, into the body. A pathogen could be altered genetically and injected into or bred into insects to spread them into nature. In the movie, it's about saving the food supply. In the movie, it's about creating a new human race. And despite the fact that that sounds like a pretty good plot line, it's not really the focal point of Jurassic Park. I mean, it's part of the plot line, but most people, they're, 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 see, they're seeing the dinosaurs. That's what they're seeing. And that's what they're there to see. They're there to, I mean, that's why I went. I went to see the dinosaurs. I, Jurassic Park, the original, is one of my favorite movies. Top probably 15 all time. Easy. I have to have a big top. <laughs> I can't have a top five. I got to have like top 15, top 25. You know, because I, I mean, I went to film school. I'm a, I'm a big movie guy. And the original Jurassic Park, you can't really beat that. The new one wasn't, I I mean, I thought it was better than the, maybe the other two, just because of the, the overall themes that were dealt with. 
but it, I didn't think it was really a great movie. But I did get a lot of material out of it. And I only wrote down a few things while I was in the theater, but I got this, this idea while I was, I was watching it. I, I was thinking, I've, I've read about this before. I've read about um, Parthenogenesis. Now, they don't mention Parthenogenesis in the movie, but that's what they indicate, that not only can you alter a pathogen genetically, use a vaccine essentially to inject it into the body, spread it through insects, save the crops, all that, but a genetically modified human, a form of cloning, could be birthed, could be used to create a new human race. A new human race that didn't get sick, that has no diseases because there are genetically modified materials in their body. Their DNA has been altered. Fragments of the DNA have been booted out and new ones put in their place. Certain genes have been turned off. Other genes have been turned on. And despite the fact that Jurassic Park, the original in the book, is proposing the question of whether we should do these things, even if we can cure disease, even if we can bring dinosaurs back from extinction, should we do these things? You might cure a disease with the best of intentions, but you also might create conditions for a totally incurable disease that could maybe spread genetically throughout the human race and cause an extinction-level event. Unforeseen consequences happen. They're unforeseen because you don't plan for them. You don't see them coming. That's why they're unforeseen. And it's incredibly arrogant and so incredibly dangerous to proceed forward with this type of research and application without so much as the public even knowing what's going on beyond, hey, I'd like some genetically modified M&Ms. If you can make them taste better, I'm fine with it. And the raw propaganda of biotech companies that tell you they just want to protect their intellectual property, they have a right to that, right? And they want to help feed the world because the world is starving to death. But, you know, we were told that back in the 50s. We were told that back in the 60s, and we've more than doubled our population since then, and we have an abundance of food. And it's not because of genetic engineering. And most of the food that's grown in the world goes to feeding animals anyway, corn and soy. So it's not that we have more food today because of genetic engineering. Plastic and, and shipping and new methods of transport and refrigeration are more responsible for an increased food supply despite a massively increased population, far more than genetic engineering. We, we, we didn't have genetic engineering of food, and that wasn't even widespread uh, until, the, until the 90s we had it, and then it hasn't been widespread until relatively recently, at least that we've known about. I think the epitome of this danger was summarized in a 2017 study published in the journal Nature Methods, by a team of scientists headed up at Columbia University Medical Center, CMUC. Now, this article was originally published online, Nature Methods, a very prestigious journal, and then it was later pulled. And both this study and the study on 
vitro gametogenesis that I mentioned earlier in the previous segment. I have references to them in my book, The Technological Elixir, which is available on my website, www.thesecretteachings.info. So if you're interested in this, this isn't entirely what the book's about. This is a small section. You can get a copy of the book and read in detail about where I go into explicit detail with these, these subjects in that text. So Nature Methods, Columbia University Medical Center. The article was titled, Unexpected Mutations After CRISPR-Cas9 Editing in Vivo. So CRISPR-Cas9 is a relatively new method of genetic engineering, and it was unveiled in 2020. Jennifer Dodna and Emmanuel uh, Carpentier, or Charpenter, I think it's a very funny uh, spelling to the last name, won a Nobel Prize in chemistry for their work in this gene editing technology. It enabled techniques from digital coding and systems engineering to be applied to biology. So CRISPR-Cas9 editing in vivo, unexpected mutations. One co-author of the study, Stephen Zhang, an associate professor of ophthalmology, pathology, and cell biology at CUMC, warned the scientific community should, quote, consider the potential hazards of all off-target mutations caused by CRISPR, including single nucleotide mutations and mutations in non-coding regions of the genome. The study found that although CRISPR can target specific segments of DNA, it could also strike other parts of the genome unexpectedly. Most of the studies searching for these off-target mutations, they use computer algorithms to identify areas of the genome that could be affected. But these algorithms only work, according to the co-author of the study, Alexander Basuk, Quote, when CRISPR is performed in cells or tissues in a dish, whole genome sequencing has not been employed to look for all off-target effects in living animals. Now, the overall CUMC study published in Nature Methods focused on whole genome sequencing of the entire genome of mice that had already undergone CRISPR gene editing in another study. The team examined each mutation, including those that altered only a single nucleotide. Although the gene editing technique corrected a gene that caused blindness in the mice, and yes, that's, it's not, that's not lost on me, but they had blind mice. That's not lost on me. It's funny. They supposedly cured the blindness of these mice by altering a single gene, but it also caused 1,500 single nucleotide mutations and perhaps even worse, a hundred larger deletions and insertions. Computer algorithms did not predict a single one of these off-target DNA mutations. Dr. Zhang concluded with the hope that, quote, findings will encourage others to use whole genome sequencing, WGS, as a method to determine all the off-target effects of their CRISPR techniques and study different versions of the safest, uh, safest, most accurate editing. Now, the year after this was published, the article was retracted from Nature Methods. I think it's clear, it's obvious, that there are powerful forces working to suppress what otherwise would be accepted as fact from respectable universities like CUMC and a prestigious scientist working therein. If uh, you know they had claimed the opposite, 
then that would have been okay if they would have claimed their and they didn't even say it wasn't safe per se they just said we hope that our study can open the conversation for a discussion about the the safety of this technology and and using it more safely more efficiently more effectively more precisely and even the notion that it isn't perfect already which is i mean it should be common knowledge I mean, you, you buy a PlayStation when it first comes out, there's bugs to it. So it should be common knowledge to ask those questions, but even a suggestion from a reputable university, for, from, from, from people that are in the field, you're not allowed to question it. You're not allowed to question it. You're not allowed to ask those questions. You're not allowed to, to even wonder, hmm, could this be dangerous? According to an article in Biosafety and Health, This was published March 14th, 2022. That's when it was made available online. It goes back to November 2021. It says, Biosafety materials ushering in a new era of infectious disease diagnosis and treatment with the CRISPR-Cas system. I read through all of the researchers, and I believe every one of them is from China. So you have universities in Beijing, Pharmaceuticals, School of Medicine, Molecular Science, National Laboratories, Institute of Chemistry, Chinese Academy of Sciences, uh, Beijing, uh, Hibai University. There's there's a bunch of different. There's mostly a Chinese study. Uh, And here's what it says. It says, despite multiple virus outbreaks over the past decade, including the devastating coronavirus disease 2019 pandemic, the lack of accurate and timely diagnosis and treatment technologies has wreaked havoc on global biosecurity. The clustered, regularly interspaced, short repeats, CRISPR, CRISPR-associated protein system has the potential to address these critical needs for tackling infectious diseases to detect viral nucleotidic, to detect viral nucleic acids and inhibit viral replication. So, they want to be able to use CRISPR as a method to address infectious diseases by detecting viral nucleic acids and inhibiting the replication of the virus. The study says this review summarizes, and it is, I guess, technically a review, but it's a, it's a study, it's a review, summarizes how the CRISPR-Cas system is being utilized for the treatment and diagnosis of infectious diseases with the help of biosafety materials and highlights the design principle and in vivo and in vivo efficiency of advanced biosafety materials used to deal with virus attacks. Starts by saying biosafety materials refer to materials used to prevent and control biosafety problems. So biosafety is just kind of like a cleverly chosen word to mean everything from masks, PPE, personal protective equipment, to genetically modified materials injected into the body or the sequencing, the coding for genetic alterations, mRNA, injected into the body in order to prevent or to cure disease. And here's what's really interesting. If you turn to page two of the article of the study of the review, it says, the technology must be adaptable to virus mutations with a potential for redesign when necessary. Let me read that again to you. The technology must be adaptable 
to virus mutations with a potential for redesign when necessary. So we're not talking about the implication that a biosafety material is something like a personal protective equipment or detection of the virus, a simple, easy, um, early detection. They're talking about something that is adaptable in the body to virus mutation and something that can be redesigned when necessary if it cannot adapt to the mutation or if it needs to be redesigned to deal with something that's totally new that doesn't deal with the original virus or viruses. Now we're talking already about genetic engineering, taking that technology, applying it to a pathogen, and then injecting that into the body or exposing the body to it to alter the DNA in order to cure a disease. This was talked about very briefly, but I felt that it was the most significant part of the Jurassic World Dominion movie. Also using the same form of pathogen to, well, in the end, save the day, but a genetically engineered pathogen that could be spread in nature by releasing modified insects. This is something that's already happening in the real world outside of the movie theater, outside of Hollywood. Clearly, the question should be asked, where do you think these people get their ideas from? Where do you think they, they, they get these ideas that, well, the new Jurassic Park, people have been telling me it kind of sounds like some Bill Gates plot, right? It's just, it sounds like something from the, the fringe of the internet. But it's not. It's in a Hollywood blockbuster. Modified pathogens, vaccines that alter your DNA, a technology that must be adaptable to virus mutations with a potential for redesign when necessary. So something in your body that can alter your body at will based on the viral material that it comes into contact with. It would be an ever-changing system, perhaps one in which you have to acquire updates to, such as a booster. Maybe it's a microchip. I don't know. I don't study biosafety materials. But those that do study them in China are telling us that this new biosafety material needs to adapt to mutations in the body and be ready for redesign when necessary. So something would have to be redesigned in the body that would control the response biologically, chemically, physiologically, and genetically to pathogenic exposures. Another study, Biosafety Materials from the Chinese Chemical Society, an emerging new research direction of materials science from the COVID-19 outbreak. They said that biosafety materials are things that uh, they, they could be equipment, they could be products, they could just be actual like raw materials. And it, it quotes the Swiss Federal Laboratories for Materials Testing and Research that categorizes materials 
such as nanostructured materials. Also those for energy technology, materials for natural resources and pollutants, materials for health and performance, and materials for a sustainable built environment. Now, there's something that I've talked about on this show before called a trap bot. Some of you might remember what the trap bot is. In Volume 31, Issue 30 of Advanced Materials, published July 26, 2019, this is all in my book, The Technological Elixir. It's available over on thesecretteachings.info. There's a very curious report in Advanced Materials, that issue, of something called a TRAP bot. The headline of the article is Thread-like Radical Polymerization via Autonomously Propelled Trap Bots. The article describes the first study of real-time in-situ hydrogel polymerization via an, quote, artificial micro-swimmer capable of enmeshing biotic, abiotic micro-objects in its reaction environment, end quote. Researchers say that this, quote, lays a strong foundation for advanced applications in cell forward slash tissue engineering, drug delivery, and cleaner technologies, end quote. Now, although the language of the article is very technical, it is pretty simplistic. It is pretty easy to understand and to extract an understanding of what a microstructure is, a micro swimmer things that are capable of entrapping, quote, living cells, and things that can, quote, be easily separable via a centrifugation of magnetic separation. And that brings us to something called magnetogenetics. Now, magnetogenetics is a technology in which things like both drugs and lights can be used to alter the body. Study on magnetogenetics was published in 2019. Engineered protein crystals make cells magnetic. 2019, Science Daily and the American Chemical Society. The research was published in ACS's Nano Letters and explained how scientists were able to, quote, engineer genetically encoded protein crystals that can generate magnetic forces many times stronger than those already reported. This new research is called magnetogenetics. And, well, it says, quote, this is a direct quote, the new area of magnetogenetics seeks to use genetically encoded proteins that are sensitive to magnetic fields to study and manipulate cells. Many previous approaches have featured a natural iron storage protein called ferritin, which can itself uh, can self-assemble into a cage that holds as many as 4,500 iron atoms. But even with this large iron storing capacity, ferritin cages and cells generate magnetic forces that are millions of times too small for practical applications. So what they've done is they've created something that is, quote, nine orders of magnitude, end quote, more powerful than a single ferritin cage. A study concluded, quote, by introducing crystals that were preloaded with iron to, uh, to living cells, the researchers could move the cells around with a magnet. Three years before that was achieved, U.S. researchers developed a method for directly controlling brain circuits associated with otherwise complex animal behaviors. 
They were able to do this using genetic engineering to manufacture a magnetized protein, a magnetoprotein that activates certain nerve cell groups from a distance. This maybe is part of the idea of how the dinosaurs were able to be moved with microchips in Jurassic World. One of the methods of this is called optogenetics. So it's like magnetogenetics, but it's called optogenetics, which allows for areas of the brain, allows for neurons in the brain to be switched on or off like genes with pulses of laser light. So lights could literally trigger the brain to switch on and off certain neuronal systems, networks. TV could do this. Computer screens could do this. Phones could do this, theoretically. Another method is to use designer drugs to target engineered proteins and specific cell types. This is called chemogenetics. Now, this is about controlling individual cells in the body and moving them around with a magnet. Crystals in the body that, that grow and that expand. Chemogenetics, optogenetics, altering neuronal activity in the brain. Magnetogenetics. Does any of this sound familiar? This isn't 4chan. This isn't Reddit. This isn't the dark corners of the internet. This isn't YouTube or Facebook. This is major scientific and medical publications, engineering publications, researchers from the United States to China, all over the world, telling us that this is not the future. This is the present. And now new CRISPR-based mapping is tying every human gene to its specific function. So they're saying CRISPR gene editing is getting safer because they're able to tie genes directly to their functions so they know what to change and how to make it safer. CRISPR gene editing is also shown now to create not just those direct biological changes, but also mental changes such as social behavioral changes in hamsters that have been CRISPR gene edited. A lot of scary stuff. Parthenogenesis is how we started out tonight, though. The idea that you can have a child without having any form of relationship. Vitro gametogenesis. Fertilizing an egg with sperm, but an egg that if you run out, you can create a new one with cells. And if you don't want to have a partner, you can create the sperm out of your own cells and impregnate yourself and never have to have a partner again. This is a very dangerous thing, and we're going to break that down when we come back from break. Parthenogenesis and the utilization of genetically modified pathogens to cure disease in the body. It all sounds a little bit too familiar, a little eerie. It's not predictive programming, though. It's confirmation programming. And this is The Secret Teachings. Stay with us. We'll be back. Listening to the Secret Teachings. For more information on the show or to contact Ryan, visit thesecretteachings.info or email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com. Hey, this is John Peasy at johnpeasy.com, and I'm here with Ryan Gable from The Secret Teachings. It's The Secret Teachings, one of the homes of the original Super Bowl analysis, airing exclusively five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you're interested in all things that include the occult, 
from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana, complete with hundreds of beautiful images. Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir, black goo, transhumanism, and invoking AI. Or if that's not enough and you want a practical look at food, lifestyles and ingredients, even those in your pet food, with free solutions to better health, then check out Food Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. Are you intrigued by Paranormal Talk Radio? You'll love the new Paranormal Radio app from TalkStream Live. You'll find a great selection of talk shows covering UFOs, ghosts, strange phenomena, and much more. Download the Paranormal Radio app now and start listening to the very best in Paranormal Talk entertainment, including the network you're listening to right now. The Paranormal Radio app, free in Google Play and the iOS App Store. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. This is Kev Baker of The Kev Baker Show, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings with Ryan Gable. Broadcasting from somewhere between the normal and abnormal. A collection of question marks. No reason, no explanation. Just a prolonged nightmare in which fear, loneliness, and the unexplainable walk hand in hand through the shadows. It's The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. It's been over 20 years now since the Human Genome Project published their findings. In 2001, the first draft published. Hundreds of millions of dollars spent to sequence the whole genome with hundreds of millions of additional dollars spent to sequence genomic sequences. In 2005, a bioengineer named Drew Indy proposed that we could one day work with DNA the same way that engineers work with electronic components. And in 2020, two scientists won the Nobel Prize in Chemistry for their work on a revolutionary new gene editing technology called CRISPR. Now, researchers at the University of Columbia, they were able to test CRISPR gene editing. And what they found was concerning. They found that by altering individual genes, and this was published in the journal Nature Methods, 
Unexpected Mutations After CRISPR-Cas9 Editing in Vivo, Columbia University Medical Center, that by altering single genes, there were thousands of single nucleotide mutations and hundreds of larger deletions and insertions, and the computer programs never predicted a single one of these off-target mutations. Now, the study was later pulled, but what I found most interesting is that the study's authors said that they hoped that the findings will encourage others to use this more responsibly to search for off-target effects of the CRISPR technique rather than just simply utilizing it and then ignoring any potential side effects. Like I read a story one time, and I wish I could find it. I can't find it in the news. It's a long time ago. It was a couple of years ago. And it said something like, these animals were genetically modified, and they couldn't find any evidence that there were any mutations, um, but they, they physically looked fine, which isn't very promising. If the basis of confirming whether genetic engineering is safe or not is, uh, well, they look fine. They looked fine, so I guess they're okay. That seems to be the attitude of, of the mainstream scientific and medical communities. Well, I mean, yeah, there's side effects, but like you, you could have a sore throat instead. Do you want to have COVID? You could have a sore throat. That would be really bad if you had a sore throat, right? So just take this. Um, I mean, you might develop blood clots or rare neurological disorders, um, but, I mean, you won't have a sore throat. Well, how, do I, how, do I, how did I even know the sore throat was caused by that particle? Maybe I just left the window open. I slept with my mouth open. See, when you have these vague definitions of what constituted disease, it calls into question whether that particular particle is even causing the disease. It doesn't mean that people don't get sick. It doesn't mean that people don't die. But there's a lot of reasons that people get sick and die. People get sick from heartbreak. You know that? People actually die of heartbreak. People die of, whether you want to hear it or not, poor diets. I mean, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, Dean Ornish published, uh, published a, a landmark study that showed that diet, mostly a plant-based diet, can literally halt and then reverse and prevent further or just prevent in the first place mostly heart disease, which is our leading killer. People die from a lot of things, and uh, we have a lot more control over those things than we think we do. But, you know, I was reading to prepare for this show, and I, and I saw this article about CRISPR gene editing from science.org, and it says there's a new method of gene editing that might be slightly better than CRISPR. It's another way to fix gene problems that may be, quote, safer and more versatile. It's called epi Genome editing. Now, this, this, this article references an Italian team that dialed down the expression of a gene in mice so that the animal's cholesterol levels could be lowered. And when I read that, I, I actually laughed out loud. And I thought, so even if genetic engineering is morally acceptable, let's get past that hump, is it really a smart thing to do to alter our genes to lower our cholesterol. I mean, our body produces enough cholesterol, and when you eat too much cholesterol, usually found in, in, in uh, animal products, 
what's going to happen is you, 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 you have higher cholesterol. Altering genes to lower your cholesterol is, is weird, and it seems irresponsible, I feel. I mean, you could alter your waistline, and you could alter your actual physical genes, and then maybe that would, maybe that would solve the problem. But, I mean, do, it doesn't matter what you think of disease, whether you're an environmentalist, which I tend to be in regards to disease, or whether you believe every particle causes a specific disease with a symptom complex that is unique and specific, which it's, does, that doesn't actually exist. Everything is so vague because the body is responding to things in a very similar way. It's the sore throat, you get the fever, you get the headache, you get all these similar conditions, uh, weakness, uh, things like that. But do we want to live in a world, and that, that's really the question, we want to live in a world where rather than taking care of ourselves and taking responsibility, we just have our genes edited so we can lower our cholesterol. I mean, that that seems like an irresponsible and asinine way to use this type of advanced technology. Science.org reports that unlike DNA editing, where the changes are permanent and can include unintended results, epigenomic edits might be less likely to cause harmful off-target effects and can be reversed. <laughs> Sure they can. That's what they think. That's what they say. That's what they believe. That's why they say they're less likely to cause harmful off-target effects. You know, I'm a firm believer that you can take a scalpel to the body. You can bypass, you know, parts of the digestive system. You can have, uh, you know, bypass surgery for your heart. You can have uh, veins taken out of your legs and put into your heart. You can override natural systems artificially and 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 it, it might work and you know unless you have a moral ob, uh, obligation to abstain from that type of, of thing then it might help you but i don't believe for one second that humans have truly figured out the solution to <laughs> these these kinds of problems okay i mean things like hygiene and uh well indoor plumbing toilets not dumping our feces in the street, even uh, places where we take dead bodies and we have them embalmed and then we have funerals. And I mean, these are things that have made the world a much healthier, much cleaner place. And despite the fact that people think the planet is totally deteriorating, um, the air is far cleaner today than it was in the early 20th century, especially in places like London. It's immensely cleaner than it was even 50 years ago, let alone 100 years ago. I mean, I don't believe the world is as bad as we're told that it is. And I find that although they might not, by, by my belief, my viewpoint, fully understand what they're doing, and they're literally tampering with genetics like we've been tampering with the atom for, what, 75 years? I feel that regardless of um, confidence in in our creations and our alterations of nature i don't believe that it's about progress some of it sure but i i really feel that there's an underlying force that does not care to advance this technology because it's intended to help us like, what does, what does a genetically engineered fetus do for the average person? 
what does it do for someone who's extremely wealthy? That's the only person who can afford it. And, and maybe as the technology gets cheaper, maybe, yeah, well, m- more people can afford designer fetuses. But, you know, some people still don't want to know if it's a boy or a girl. And then some people also don't believe in boys or girls. So, you know, that be- that kind of becomes confusing. But, I mean, maybe if it's cheaper may- at some point, maybe everybody wants a designer baby. But at that point, what's the what's the point? If if everybody wants to have um I mean I don't know what's the ideal child. You want to have a child that's good at math that listens to what you tell them to do that looks like you or looks like a movie star like I mean you look at the the parents that with the the Munchauser by proxy syndrome like what what would those parents do if they had access to to cheap genetic engineering technology or they make their daughter some like 6 foot 6 foot two, you know, very skinny, blonde supermodel with big boobs and a thin waist or something? Like, is that, you know, or or some, like, you know, brunette bombshell? Like, is that what the moms would want their kids to look like so they could win the beauty pageants? I, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's a moral question, but it's also, it's also a question of, of what the hell? <laughs> what, 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 is this what we want? And we're not talking about bringing dinosaurs back from, from extinction, although people have suggested that, billionaires have suggested that. Max Hoddick, who's a business partner of Elon Musk, has suggested that. And even uh, Scientific American uh, published a story based on a study out of China that the Chinese Academy of Sciences, uh, they found hypochrosaurus cartilage, and they believe they found the chemical signature of DNA. And there's been other stories too, other reports of fossils and the potentiality for you know actual dino DNA and using that to create dinosaurs. Yeah, that's all that's all fine, you know, to an extent. Um, but when we're talking about using that technology to not even cure disease, but to lower cholesterol because we don't want to take responsibility for our diets or our lifestyles, like that seems and that's the reason it's being done. It's not like somebody who has a condition, you know. They just can't solve with diet or exercise or something to that. I mean, plus, psychologically, you know, when doctors and others tell you exercise is the way to go, that's how you lose weight. Like, they've known for for like a decade or more, a couple decades, that when they tell you to exercise and they tell you you're fat because you're not exercising, they know for a fact that you will eat more because of that. That's why PepsiCo and other companies tell you it's only exercise. So you know that, well, I can eat as much as I want. As long as I exercise, I can burn it off. And it's not that simple. Maybe epigenomic edits are safer. Maybe they are. But what we don't know is there could be more than off-target changes. A team using CRISPR edited what were already genetically engineered hamsters so that their bodies would block a neurochemical signaling pathway. And they found in this study, this was published by New Atlas from Georgia State University in mid-May 2022, that the animal's social behaviors changed in unexpected ways. Strangely, the hamsters that had a certain genetic marker knocked down exhibited significantly higher levels of social communication behavior than the unedited control group. That social behavior was both positive and negative. The engineered animals also showed greater aggression toward others of the same sex, both male and female. Intriguingly, that applied to both of the animals, which erased the tendency for male hamsters to usually be more aggressive than females. So they were able to make females more aggressive by altering this gene. 
Now, this makes me think, when you look into popular culture in the news and you see this obsession with gender and what really breaks down to biology and, and, and the study of sex and X, Y chromosomes, and you start, to, you start to maybe think, at least I do, I mean, if you, along with chemicals like atrazine, if you have men that are becoming more feminine and women that are becoming more aggressive, I mean, we, we now know, Georgia State University, that gene editing can also cause women to become more aggressive and although men could become more aggressive, it can also make um, it can have, have more of a positive effect and, and make you less aggressive. I mean, it depends on what exactly is being edited, what exactly is being blocked, what chemical signal pathway is being blocked or being opened up. And this opens up an unbelievably large number of possibilities that could come along with this technology. Now, for those worried about the off-target mutations... Maybe we shouldn't worry so much. A guy named Jonathan Weissman and collaborators used a single-cell sequencing tool called PerturbSync, S-E-Q, SEC, SEC, it's like sequence, on every expressed gene in the human genome linking each to its job in the cell. MIT professor Jonathan Weissman went beyond the genomic sequence to present the first comprehensive functional map of genes that are expressed in human cells. He published his findings on June 9th in the journal Cell. His study, his findings with his colleagues, ties each gene to its job in the cell and is the culmination, of course, of years of collaboration on the single-cell sequencing method called PerturbSec or Seq. They used it to explore the cellular effects of genes with unknown functions to investigate the responses of mitochondria to stress and to screen for genes that cause chromosomes to be lost or gained, a phenotype that has proved difficult to study in the past. This allows for an investigation into the genes that is totally unprecedented. But let me take you back to this journal entry, this study, this review biosafety materials ushering in a new era of infectious disease diagnosis and treatment with the CRISPR-Cas system. The scientists say that the technology for detecting and curing diseases must, quote, be adaptable to virus mutations with a potential for redesign when necessary. Now, we could assume a lot based on that statement because biosafety material is everything from masks to medical equipment to yes, to vaccines. Now, in the new Jurassic World movie, although the movie's about dinosaurs and, yeah, it's a warning of genetic engineering and Pandora's box, ultimately, genetic engineering can save the day, right? And right the wrongs that we made in the first place. I mean, the idea that if man is created in God's image. Even those that aren't Christians or religious believe that, you know, man evolved. So, you know, whether you believe in evolution strictly scientifically, there's no divine energy, there's no divine force like the soul or the spirit, there's no God. I mean, man was still created in some capacity. So if God, as a philosophical argument, created an imperfect human and an imperfect world, how is it that an imperfect human could create a more perfect world when a perfect God could not create a perfect world. A perfect God created an imperfect world in which a, well, I guess, 
a slightly perfect or slightly imperfect man said, hey, I can create a more perfect world, although I'm imperfect because God's not really perfect when he created me. You start to feel a little eugenics. You start to feel that some people might believe that they are superior to the rest of us and that they have a right to rule, they have a right to dictate, they have a right to run our lives, run the planet. They get to decide who lives, who dies, who eats, who starves. And they might also want to control, I don't know, what goes in and what doesn't go into our bodies so that they could control the potentiality for the spread of diseases. Maybe those diseases could be used to call the population. And in Jurassic World, it's genetic engineering that is used in a vaccine to alter DNA. And this genetic engineering is done on a pathogen that is then injected or engineered into, it's either into the body or engineered into an insect and then spread in nature. Now, this genetically engineered pathogen in the real world could come from a laboratory, couldn't it? Gain-of-function research is not a conspiracy theory. It's a real thing. Gain-of-function research uses DNA editing techniques to alter how organisms function, including increasing the ability of a virus to cause disease so that you can prepare and predict future outbreaks, making sure that you're, you're ready if there's an outbreak of a virus and maybe you can stop it from causing harm unless you use your research inappropriately and you release it intentionally or it gets out, right? That's the idea anyway. Or maybe you could create things that are more like genetic markers in a laboratory. Things that, even though a virus is a piece of you know, genetic material, it's not that the virus causes the disease, but the virus, which the original definition of a virus was a slimy, liquid, noxious, poisonous substance like snake venom, and you could transfer that, you could physically take snake venom and put it on somebody, right? Or the pus from a pox mark and put that on somebody's skin on an open wound. That's how they used to inoculate people. That's how they used to, Edward Jenner used to inoculate people. That's how they used to transfer the virus. You transfer the physical material. And the definitions later changed, of course. So if you can transfer the virus in that way, but by that definition then you could transfer, as a virus is genetic material, you could just transfer genetic material. It doesn't have to make you sick. And then that genetic material could become a marker like it is for certain crops. So if you get caught with that crop, you're in violation of the, of the patent. You have to settle a suit against you for infringement or you have to pay the royalties like all those seed farmers in places like India that commit suicide and in other parts of the world as well. So you have Epicite, Syngenta, Dow, DuPont, and Bayer Monsanto, the big, big companies. And in Jurassic World, you have Biosyn. I mean, which it's kind of in the name, Biosyn. It's a sin, Biosyn. And you have the genetic alteration of insects that, um, well, they're, they're brought back from, from extinction, and they're basically eating all of the organic crops, the natural crops, and they're leaving the genetically engineered crops in nature. They're not touching those, which is what a lot of, this has been documented, that a lot of insects will stay away from genetically modified crops. A lot of animals, they will only eat the natural crops or the organic, by some definition, crops. 
because some organic crops still have chemicals to some extent sprayed on them. It's all about how you define the chemical, et cetera. Is it natural, artificial? What's the process, et cetera? So then using a genetically engineered pathogen and engineered it into one of the locusts and releasing it into the environment, you could override the sequencing of those other less dominant sequences in those locusts or the insect and then that genetically engineered pathogen can be a good thing and it just passes on genetic material right or if someone has a disease someone's sick they could pass on some form of uh, sickness to their children so you create some genetically altered substance some pathogen take a, 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 a carrier a messenger mrna and then you load it with the information you want you put it in the body and it triggers the body to produce an, a, a, you know, an, a, some kind of a response or, or it just simply replaces sequences of your DNA. So curing a genetic condition with a genetically modified pathogen given to you via vaccine that alters your DNA or using the same to spread something in nature to stop insect swarms or whatever. And then furthermore, using genetic engineering to create a new human race. This is not Jurassic Park. This is not Jurassic World. This is the real world. This is the future of children. This is the future of, of babies. Time Magazine, 2019. It's called Vitro Gametogenesis. Taking a woman's stem cells or taking her, um, her skin cells and turning them into eggs and also turning them into sperm so that according to the article in Time, a single human may soon be able to create its own offspring without a partner. This could eventually lead to a society where relationships, sexual or otherwise, are not functionally necessary to continue the human species. In nature, yes, a boa constrictor, a Komodo dragon, a monitor lizard, they can, they can do this, but humans cannot. Humans need a mate. But if you can create the technology so that humans do not need mates, that women can reproduce with their own cells, creating sperm, creating eggs if they're older and maybe they're, they, they, they're unable to otherwise get pregnant. And this isn't in vitro fertilization per se. This is a whole new process. This is vitro gametogenesis. This is parthenogenesis. This is creating a new life singularly without a mate. So this is Huxley's world. This is the world in which well, children are basically born in laboratories. And you take the awesome creative power of the male and female energy, the power of the orgasm, and you relegate that to an artifact of the past, and you turn all that power, all that creativity, all that energy, all that rawness and that, that, that spirit, that soul, that animal nature, you turn all that over to a technology, biotechnology company, that can then dictate who can have children or government can dictate it through a corporate governmental system who can have children if you get a pass to have the child what that child can become how smart they can be what they're allowed to do this is creating a totally new human race or creating a situation where it's like the children of men there won't be any more children that's parthenogenesis and, you know, we have uh, the CDC raise their monkeypox alert to, to level two, right? And then 
The Wall Street Journal reported on the 7th of June, the very next day, the CDC had added mask wearing to its precautionary measures, but then they, they walked that back because people criticized them for mixed messages. So they elevate the level, then they, they walk it back. And now they're saying, oh, there's a monkeypox vaccine, right? There's a monkeypox vaccine. And uh, there's a new traditional coronavirus shot on the way. And the Washington Post says on June 5th, people can't wait for it. Of course, uh, a lot of women under 40 are having, uh, having a lot of blood clots. New York Post, uh, suddenly out of the blue, they say, just out of the blue, everybody's having blood clots. And, uh, you know, of course, you might have seen the story. I don't particularly care about celebrities, but... I thought it was interesting, you know, back in um, back in March of this year, uh, Haley Bieber, Justin Bieber's girl, she had a stroke and it de- she developed a hole in her heart. But she had the stroke because of a blood clot. And uh, Justin Bieber recently was reported to have been diagnosed with Ramsay-Hunt syndrome just a few days ago, which is another name for herpes zoster otticus or otticus. And it's interesting because I don't know what caused his sudden neurological condition. I don't know what caused her blood clots, but his condition is listed as a side effect in the Pfizer FDA documents of the vaccine. And we know that blood clot, uh, that's a side effect of Johnson and Johnson. Um, I know that these are side effects of certain things. I think that's something we should pay attention to. We should be aware of, but we should really be aware when we're being told that new technology could utilize genetic engineering to allow our bodies through this new genetic information that is put into us could be microchip could be a genetically modified pathogen to adapt to viral mutations and to be redesigned either in real time or with updates for new types of diseases new mutations and now that crispr based maps are tying everything to the human genome uh, that that is considered a function of of, of uh, genes in the body. They're tying the two together, and uh, new forms of editing like epigenomic edits. We're entering a realm in which uh, it's not a possibility; it is a probability of a dramatic and devastating, perhaps even cataclysmic, and well, at least life-altering. I don't want to be a, a doomsdayer, but perhaps life-ending consequence of tampering with the natural world genetic modification of pathogens and gain of function research injecting them into the body to cure disease or to spread them in nature to control uh, insects not really novel ideas parthenogenesis having children without a mate not really a novel idea Eugenicists have been proposing that and pushing for that for years. And then once you get rid of the mate, it's the state and the corporate state at that that gets to decide if you can have children. That's not a world that I want to live in. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Thank you so much for tuning in this evening. My book, The Technological Elixir, if you enjoyed this show, is the book you want. Find a copy at www.thesecretteachings.info. Soft cover and digital. We drop ship anywhere in the world, no matter where you're listening as well. Also check out my other book, Occult Arcana. Both of these books, 500 plus, almost 600 pages, and Food Philosophy, which I also, in that book, talk a little bit about uh, the history of germ theory and things like that. Very interesting book. 
www.thesecretteachings.info. Our archive has the montages. It has the digital versions of my books. $40 for one year. PayPal, rdgable at yahoo.com. Send us an email at that same email. Check out our affiliates, Pro and Water Filters, Transistor FM on the website. And stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy. And we'll talk to you on the next broadcast. Tomorrow, I have a very interesting and abnormal show planned for you. You don't want to miss it. 10 p.m. Pacific after Clyde Lewis and Ground Zero. Don't forget, check out Clyde's Archive 2 over on Aftermath. We'll talk to you tomorrow night.